Welcome to another episode of the Secular Buddhism Podcast. This is episode number 149. I am your host, Noah Rochetta. Today I'm going to be talking about firsts and lasts. Keep in mind you don't need to use what you learn from Buddhism to be a Buddhist. You can use what you learn to be a better whatever you already are. If you're interested in learning more about Buddhism, you can check out my book, No Nonsense Buddhism for Beginners, available on Amazon, or start out with the first five episodes of the podcast. You can find those easily by visiting secularbuddhism.com and clicking on the Start Here link. If you're looking for a community to practice with and to interact with, consider becoming a patron by visiting secularbuddhism.com and clicking the link to join our community. As I jump into the topic that I wanted to share in today's podcast episode, I want to start out by um, bringing up the fact that studying Buddhism, perhaps one of my favorite things that has emerged from my personal study and practicing uh, of, of Buddhist concepts, teachings, and ideas, is the shift that I've had in my personal relationship with time, or perhaps better better yet, with moments in time. Uh, in other words, there was a time when I used to value moments based on the pleasantness or unpleasantness of the moment. And moments to me on this scale, pleasant moments, were more worthwhile than unpleasant moments. And I think this is a common way of thinking uh, for all of us, uh, perhaps especially um, in our in, in the way that we've been conditioned to view things in our society. And this was certainly the case for me, always looking forward to the next pleasant moment or the next fun moment or the next happy moment and dreading the next sad moment or the next unpleasant moment or painful moment. And I feel like this shift has happened uh, in the time that I've started understanding perhaps a little bit more clearly the uh, true uniqueness of each moment. I think the preciousness of each moment due to its uniqueness rather than to how I feel during that moment. And this for me uh, is something that has been on my mind heavily in the last months, in the last uh, year or so. Um, especially with, with my dad. My dad has cancer, and he's been battling, uh, battling cancer, undergoing all the treatments necessary to uh, prolong his time. We, we knew early on that this wasn't going to be a battle about winning, beating cancer, but it was a battle over how much time you have left. And he's recently transitioned from the strategy of of fighting and prolonging to now changing the course of action to uh, hospice care where the main goal is uh, quality of life for whatever remainder of time he has left. So this is something that's been weighing heavily on me with this notion of first and last. I decided a couple weeks ago to take my family, my wife and, and kids with me to visit my dad. Um, I've been going there frequently over the past year, anytime I have the chance, even if it's just for a couple of days over the weekend. But knowing that time is of the essence, we decided to go as a family. And, and during the trip, 
I was thinking thinking a lot about this notion of of the uniqueness of moments and the concept of firsts and lasts. And this has kind of evolved into somewhat of a inside joke sometimes with my kids where I'll mention things like this is the first time and the last time, you know, that this is going to happen or that that is going to happen with little mundane things, right? Well, going to the bathroom and uh, at the airport and you the, the doorknob that you might have to touch to open the next door. It's like, this is the first time and the last time I'm going to have to touch this. And uh, jokingly, uh, lightheartedly, it's a friendly way of reminding myself that that is the true nature of time. Everything that I experience is happening simultaneously for the first time and also for the last time. And that recognition, uh, that uniqueness of that moment, because it's never happened before and it will never happen again, makes that moment precious, regardless of whether that's a pleasant moment or an unpleasant moment, because it's the the recognition of the uniqueness of the moment that uh, seems to seems to be the key there. And again, this is something that I've been practicing quite a bit since I first started studying about these concepts, trying to see the uniqueness of moments um, and the preciousness of the moments due to the uniqueness rather than due to the pleasantness or unpleasantness. Now, having said that, I've, I, like, I've had this in mind for weeks now as I think of every interaction I have with my parents and with my dad specifically, these are firsts and lasts. And um, I don't know when, um, you know, when the very last time will happen, but I know that every, every time I answer the call or I call to say hi, that conversation is a first and a last. And I've had this in mind. It's been weighing heavily on me for quite some time now. And then last week, um, it, it shifted all to a whole new level. I talk often about this notion of life being like a game of Tetris, and we just don't know what pieces are around the corner. And I had an experience last week that was very difficult, very traumatizing. This was actually over the weekend on, on Saturday. As many of you know, I, I teach uh, paragliding, paramotoring specifically, and I had a course where I was teaching six new students and very often at these courses, I have former students who show up who are no longer um, under my tutelage, uh, but they come join us to participate in the camaraderie and the, the spirit of community that is uh, so prevalent in the sport that we practice. So we had the six new students and several former students showed up, and one of which has become a really good friend of mine. I trained him last year, and he has just rapidly... Uh, rise through the ranks in terms of skill and knowledge. And he's put in more hours into flying than anyone I think that, I, that I've ever met, and certainly uh, more than anyone typically does in the sport. I, I'd say on average, people who fly, fly 50, maybe, maybe 50 to 100 hours per year seems to be the average. Well, Dustin wasn't like the average person. He he jumped into this and uh, coming from the motorcycle racing world where he was, um, he had risen to the top there racing motorcycles like street bikes on, on racetracks. And he was famous for doing a helmet drag. You know, if you've seen those motorcycles that they get in a really tight turn and they're 
their knee and their elbows are touching or, or kind of scraping along the ground as they turn. Well, he added the helmet to that same equation and was well known for it. Um, I, I guess he did it once in a ghillie suit and, and that was kind of his claim to fame. So that's the kind of guy he was. He 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 lived life uh, in the in the fast lane, if we want to call that call it that. Well, he did the same with paramotoring. He got into paramotoring, and he had built up in five to six months. He had already flown nearly three hundred hours, which is just insane for the average person. Uh, three hundred hours is usually someone who's been flying four to five years, and his skill was on par with the amount of hours he had flown. Well, Dustin was with us, and Dustin had been doing, learning a series of more advanced maneuvers. Now, I noticed early on that it was uh, a little dangerous with how his style of flying, and I had warned him to take things slow, to take a maneuvers clinic, learn how to, learn how to be a, an even more safe pilot, and he was on track to do that. He'd already been under the wing of other tutors who were giving him advice, people who do more advanced uh, aerobatic maneuvers. Um, and they had warned him the same thing, throttle it, take it slow, uh, build up your skills, and, and then try these hard maneuvers. Well, he had mastered one of those maneuvers, which is it's called a wing over. And you fly, he was flying, you, you typically do them up high, and it's almost like you're doing a, a swing set where you swing way up high on the left, and then you swing down and way up high on the right. And if you time it right, you come out of that with so much energy, you can go into a barrel roll or into um, a spiral. And he had done those up high, but he started doing them down low. And, and if you keep them really gradual, it's not that dangerous. But again, that wasn't Dustin's style. He was doing them quite aggressively, building a lot of energy and a lot of speed in these maneuvers. And unfortunately, on Saturday morning, he miscalculated the energy and the speed and the altitude he had while he was executing one of these maneuvers, and he impacted the ground and was killed instantly. I was on the ground uh, when it happened. I had a, a new student in the air. It happened right in front of me, and I, myself and several others who were there ran to him, and uh, I knew right away there was very little chance he, he, he could have possibly have survived that impact. But we still did all the life-saving um, techniques that you know that you that you do CPR and the such as we waited for paramedics to arrive, and unfortunately, um, just as we suspected, they they called it and and he passed away. He didn't survive the crash. Now this was a very difficult and emotional experience for me from two perspectives. One, losing a good friend. We spoke almost every day from the the day he first learned to fly. And I was there for his first flight. I taught him how to fly, and I was there for his last flight. And the difficulty of losing a friend, combined with the trauma of experiencing such a, a harsh uh, accident right before your eyes, holding someone in your arms as they pass away, realizing there's nothing you can do for them, was quite the traumatic experience. Again, this only happened a few days ago. And it left me once again with this strong notion of the recognition of things happening for the first time and for the last time. Every moment that we're experiencing, that moment when 
the morning with Dustin when I flew with him, um, the interactions that I had the night before at our campsite, like those were all firsts and lasts, none of us knowing what was right around the corner waiting to happen the next morning. So these things have been weighing heavily on me, the recognition of first and last. And then combine that with, as I was driving home, thinking, I haven't done a podcast episode in a while. And I really, you know, I have the goal of doing these regularly. And there's this part of me that doesn't want to, um, to, to speak until I feel like I've prepared something, something worthwhile to say. But then I'm reminded that, Again, the the whole point of this podcast, uh, at least at this point, the way that it's evolved to, is that I like to share my thoughts, especially thoughts around things that are difficult to talk about because we don't talk about difficult things often in life. We tend to avoid difficult topics. We want things to be pleasant. We want to say what's going to sound right, what's going to be received the right way. But I feel that... Uh, Perhaps one of the things that I can do to help both myself as I process these strong emotions um, and that I can do for our society as uh, an example is to be here and to just share and honor whatever it is I'm feeling in the moment. It doesn't have to be scripted. It doesn't have to be prepared. It doesn't have to come across in any way. This is me showing up, being me and expressing what's on my mind in this specific moment as I talk into the microphone. And I think uh, if, I, if I tie this into Buddhist concepts and Buddhist teachings, this notion of first and last, it's happening right now. This is the first time I've ever recorded a podcast while experiencing the uh, strong emotions that I'm experiencing. It would have been easy to put this off for a week or two, but I didn't want to do that. And second, um, I, I, I wanted to share in a way uh, that may be beneficial to someone listening who's also going through difficult things. Because I think another title that would have been appropriate for this podcast episode would be Come As You Are. When I first visited a Buddhist congregation, the, uh, the person who was leading the meeting started out the meeting by reminding everyone in the group that this this specific congregation, their motto is come as you are. And I thought that was a neat idea as he elaborated a little bit more on the notion behind it. The idea was that if you're not feeling feeling a certain way, you're still welcome. Come as you are. If you're happy, angry, if you're under, you know, stressed, under, um, under duress, under any any circumstances that you may be experiencing, there's no right way that you need to be before showing up here to practice. And that was very welcoming. And over time, I've come to understand that that is the way, the proper way to approach Buddhist teachings and perhaps Buddhist practice uh, in the same way. Come as you are. You don't sit and meditate when you feel like sitting and meditating. You meditate however you're feeling. When I sit and, and take a few moments, I may very well be thinking, I don't want to sit here and take a few moments. Um, but it's part of why I practice. Uh, it's what I do uh, in the same way that if I want to go for a walk, I might not feel like going for a walk, but going for a walk is uh, could be beneficial, whether I wanted to or didn't want to. 
or if it's raining or if it's snowing or if it's sunny or if there's daylight, you know, going to walk has its own benefits regardless of the conditions when we do it. And that's how I feel Buddhist practice is. Um, so with that said, you know, again, I've been thinking about this notion for quite a while in anticipation an event of, a, of an event that hasn't occurred yet uh, with my dad. And what ended up happening is here I am processing all these strong emotions for an event that I wasn't expecting, the unexpected Tetris piece. And I thought it would be fun for me to recognize that there is a sense of peace that arises in me by allowing each moment to be as it is. And it's not just the moments, it's also the thoughts, allowing each thought, each feeling, each emotion that I'm experiencing in my own day-to-day -day life to be as it is. And since this incident has happened, I've had these moments, moments of gratitude and joy as I think about the memories, friendship, uh, moments of, of distress and sadness, moments of uncontrollable crying, moments of everything in between those ranges, moments of laughter and humor. It's been quite the interesting experience. And, and what's been fascinating for me is to recognize that I don't sense in myself an aversion to the unpleasant ones or a clinging to the pleasant ones. And when I smile and I laugh, I enjoy it. And when I cry and I'm sad, there's a sense of contentment that arises because I, I'm allowing myself to experience the full range of emotions. And that's been quite therapeutic. And I think that's a part of why I wanted to attempt to record this and express this in the midst of all these strong feelings and in the midst of all these strong emotions. Because that's life, isn't it? We go through our day-to-day uh, -day experiences with a mixture of laughing and a mixture of crying. And sometimes we don't want the world to hear us speak or to, to perceive what we're feeling until we have curated that image. You know, I only want you to see me happy. Okay, well, then I'll only record this when I'm happy or, or things like that. And here uh, I had the opportunity to, well, what? What's going to happen if I sit and hit record on this microphone and I just start sharing my thoughts about first and last? <laughs> and that's where I am now. That's what's happening. Um, and it feels good. It feels really good. And <clears throat> it mirrors the way I'm trying to live my life, uh, showing up just as I am, encountering every experience just as it unfolds, however intense however happy, however sad that experience or that set of circumstances might be because I recognize that it's a unique moment in time. It's something that's happening for the first time and also for the last time. But right now, it's the only moment I have. And I, I do feel a sense of, of gratitude and joy for being the witness of that experience. I guess that's what I wanted to echo in this. Uh, as, as I experience these moments, firsts and lasts, yeah, they may be unpleasant, yeah, they may be uncomfortable, but they're, they certainly are unique. And, I, and I'm grateful that I get to experience the, these unique moments.
So I wanted to share that with you again in the hopes that some of these concepts, some of these ideas may be beneficial to you as the listener, as you may currently be encountering difficulties or uh, will at some point encounter these difficulties as life throws you the unexpected Tetris pieces. My hope and wish is that you will see the uniqueness and the uh, beauty of each moment because it's a unique moment and to not see it as beautiful because it's pleasant or ugly because it's unpleasant, but that you may see it beautiful because it's unique. It's the only moment uh, that there is. It's happening and it's simultaneously the first and the last time that you'll be thinking, feeling, or experiencing whatever it is that you're experiencing in your life, just as I am now with the uh, set of circumstances that I'm experiencing. So that's all I have. That's all I wanted to share with you today. Um, again, thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope that these concepts and ideas prove to be beneficial to you as they have to me. And I look forward to recording and sharing more thoughts in the future about other topics and other concepts. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.